Hello and welcome to another episode of Cracking Addiction. My name is Thalipan Naren and I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Colin Mendelson on to another episode of Cracking Addiction. Colin joined us in our earlier episode and on the episode of Cracking Addiction today, we're going to talk in a bit more detail about vaping. So Colin, Mm. with regards to vaping, what are the different types of vaping devices that are currently available on the market? Yes, look, there's an overwhelming choice of products. Uh, and that's a good thing in that everyone will find something that works for them, but it's very hard as a beginner. They all essentially consist of a battery, uh, a heating coil, and a liquid chamber. And they work when the user presses the button or breathes in, the battery activates, heats up the coil, and vaporizes the liquid into a mist that the, the user inhales. The most popular category for beginners are what we call pod vapes. So these, these consist of a little uh, removable pod or chamber uh, and a battery component. So the pod sort of sits in the battery chamber in the, in the battery component and, uh, the the uh, it's heated by the coil uh, as uh, with electricity generated from the battery. The reason these are popular is that the pods are pod devices are very easy to use. So you can get pod devices which are pre-filled with nicotine. So you you just attach your pod, use it till it's finished, throw it away, and then slip a new one onto your battery. So it's as simple as that. There are other pod devices where the pod is refillable. So when it's empty, you take your pod off, you fill it with a from a bottle of, of nicotine, and then just slip it back on again. And that's, of course, cheaper because you're buying um, the, the liquid in bulk. And each pod is equivalent to approximately a packet of cigarettes. So if you're spending seven, eight, nine dollars on a pod, that's like a packet of cigarettes. So there's a, a significant cost saving. Um, Disposable models are also ideal for beginners um, who want to start with something simple and easy to use um, with a good nicotine delivery. So with a disposable, you just put the device in your mouth and draw. It's as simple as that. There's no buttons to press. There's no charging. There's no filling. And you just throw it away, the whole thing away when you finish, finish smoking or finish vaping in this case. So they're also popular for some people. Uh, Vape pens are more complicated. Um, they have bigger batteries uh, and they're refilled with uh, liquid nicotine from a bottle. You have to change the heating coil and charge the device. But they're more powerful and some people prefer them, but not ideal for beginners. And finally, there's box mods. These are the uh, larger devices which are more advanced uh, for more advanced users. They give you greater control. You can adjust the wattage, the temperature, change the parts. Um, they have bigger tanks, bigger batteries, uh, and they typically use low concentrations of nicotine and make bigger clouds. But we don't normally recommend them for beginners. Well, it's fascinating that there's such a variety of devices that one can use. Um, but mm. could you tell us a bit more about the, the different liquids that are used for vaping, Colin? Well, all liquids are made from propylene glycol and glycerin. So they're the, the carriers for the nicotine, if you're using it, 
uh, not everyone uses nicotine, and for the flavouring. So you need those two ingredients to, as the base, the, the, the greater part of, of the volume of the, of the liquid. Propylene glycol helps to give smokers that throat hit that they're used to from smoking. So when they're vaping, they, they sort of expect that. Uh, it helps to carry the flavour as well. Uh, vegetable glycerin is a much more viscous liquid, which is smoother, creates thicker, larger clouds uh, with a smoother feel. So together they, they, they provide various uh, advantages, but they're made with different, different products made with different proportions. So you might have 50% of each, 70% PG, 70% V, 30% VG. And depending on the ratio you use, you get different, uh, a different level of throat hit or a different amount of flavor, a different amount of cloud. So as people become more experienced, they like to, to vary that. 50 50 is a good starting point for most people though. Um, flavorings are an important part of vaping. So they make vaping more appealing. So smokers are more likely to transition uh, away from smoking. So that they are an integral part of smoking, uh, of vaping. And uh, they, the studies show that they increase quit rates and they prevent relapse. So although there's some concern about vaping, the vaping flavors, and we'll talk about that later, that they are a very important part of, of, uh, of the process. And then there's nicotine, which is available in two different types. So there's, they're equally potent, but firstly, there's free base nicotine, uh, which is mainly used in the high powered devices. That's the, the box mods and the vape pens. And that's usually used in low concentrations in those more powerful devices. And that gives you more of a throat hit, which again is important to some people. Um, but if you have too much, it can be quite harsh on the throat. So that's free base nicotine. And then there's nicotine salts. So nicotine salts are used in the lower powered devices that most beginners use, the pod devices and the disposables. Um, they're smoother to inhale, but you need higher doses. So because you've got a small battery, you need a bigger dose to get the same effect. So they're generally used in the range of 20 to 50 milligrams per mil. And, and the, the amount of nicotine you use choose depends on how dependent the smoker is and on the device that you're using. Most people buy their own nicotine pre-mixed uh, already with flavors and with the PG and VG, but some advanced users like to mix their own. So they get the the 10% nicotine, and they mix it with the various ingredients. Fascinating. And I guess a practical question now, Colin, how much does it cost mm. to vape? Yes, look, Australia has the most expensive cigarettes in the world. Um, a 20-pack, 20-cigarette-a-day 20 smoker spends about $12,500 on the current retail prices per year, which is a huge impost for people on low incomes and lower socioeconomic groups, which are our you know, biggest smoking smoking group. Uh, and this can cause, cause huge financial stress. So vaping is a boon to these people. It cost varies from five to 25%, depending on what kind of vaping device you, you use. You can spend as little as 5% uh, or, or more if you use the, the, the devices that require pre-fill pods, for example. But overall, it's a huge saving. Absolutely. And where can people buy these vaping products? 
Yes, look, it, there's, I guess, two different parts to this question. One is the hardware, and it's best to buy the hardware from one of the brick-and-mortar vape shops uh, in Australia. There's about 130 of them around Australia, and the reason I suggest that is because they provide a valuable resource. They, they give expert advice. They're generally run by, by vapors who have been through this experience and can give practical advice and help people choose the product that works for them. You can also get your nicotine-free liquids there. But So that's to buy the device, the accessories, the pods, um, the coils, and all those other things. To buy nicotine uh, is a little bit more complicated. Most people buy it from New Zealand, uh, and, and you can import up to three months uh, at a time legally uh, with a prescription under the personal importation scheme. And there are lots of reputable websites in New Zealand. Um, and you simply upload your script. You make your order on, online. You, 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 you uh, make a decision about your flavor and your nicotine type, salt or free base, and your percentage. And then you order, upload your script. So the script is returned with the order to Australia. So if it's intercepted by the border force, it's quite legal uh, to, to make that import. When you are ordering from overseas, you just need to be sure that the product you're ordering is compliant with our Australian TGO 110 standards. But from New Zealand, we don't have any problems with that. And I think pretty much everything is, is compliant now. The other option is to buy... Uh, nicotine from selected pharmacies. So some pharmacies will uh, dispense certain pods in particular. Some will make, will have uh, commercial nicotine liquids in bottles. Uh, and there are some compounding pharmacies. And if you, if you're going to buy from, from a pharmacy, you need a script from a doctor who's an authorized nicotine prescriber. So the doctor has to apply to the TGA, become an authorised prescriber, which is a very simple process, and then uh, that script can be used at the pharmacy, whereas any doctor can provide a script for, for importation. And for those people who've never written a nicotine prescription before, mm. how exactly do you write a nicotine prescription? Yes, look, it's actually quite simple. Uh, there are just several things that need to go on the script. I guess the hardest part is to work out what to put on the script, and that will often be guided by the patient. But um, it's a non-PBS script, um, and the health funds are currently aren't uh, making any contribution to that. But essentially you need the words nicotine, uh, e-liquid for vaping. Uh, you need the concentration in milligrams per mil or percent, um, and that depends on how dependent the patient is and what device they're using. Uh, you need to indicate the daily volume, and that might be, say, four mils or one pod. Um, and then you indicate the amount of, of that product needed for three months. So you might say 400 mils for someone who's using, uh, say, four mils a day. Uh, or you might say 90 pods if someone's using a pod a day. And then you can add repeats to that if that's appropriate. Um, you can also write scripts for compounding. There are some pharmacists that compound it and you need to spell out the individual ingredients for those, those scripts. I'm going to ask you now, Colin, probably the most vexed question that healthcare providers have with regards to vaping, mm -hmm. and that is how do you counsel smokers on vaping and how to vape safely? 
Yeah. So, look, I think the first thing is just to explain the rationale for vaping, that it's not risk-free, but it's a much safer alternative for smoking. It's giving them the nicotine in a much cleaner delivery system uh, and the same hand-to-mouth and the same ritual, which which they, they're often very dependent on. Um, they can use it as a short-term quitting aid or they can use it long-term if they're uh, not they're confident about not if they're not confident about going back to smoking so either way um they should use it whenever there's an urge to smoke and some people use it by grazing through the day they'll have a couple of puffs here and there and that's fine or they might sit down and have a vaping break like you might with a cigarette so you'd have maybe 10 10 puffs as a as a vaping break um so that's that's a very personal thing the main thing is to get enough nicotine and to feel it's satisfying you Generally, with vaping, you take longer puffs than you do with a cigarette. So when you smoke, the puffs are usually one or two seconds. Uh, generally, experienced vapors take three or four seconds to, to get that nicotine delivery. It takes a little bit longer to reach the brain, but uh, it does need longer puffs. Uh, I, I tell people that coughing is quite common in the first week. Um, it usually settles down within that time, so not to worry about that. Um, but they may get a sore throat or a dry throat. They may get headache or nausea um, or a cough, as I mentioned, but they're usually mild and, and transient. Um, and if, it's, if the nicotine that they're using is, is not doing the job for them, if they're still craving cigarettes, they need to increase the nicotine or they need to puff more to make sure they're getting enough nicotine to, to feed those receptors. Um, they can smoke and vape initially. Uh, but they should try to stop smoking as soon as possible because, uh, well, that's our goal and that's, that's what's doing the harm. And then they should try and stop vaping, if possible, within three to six months. But, of course, continuing to vape is far safer than relapsing to smoking. Um, for, in terms of buying nicotine, they should be very careful not to buy from the black market. Um, they, I would only buy from reputable uh, suppliers and they should certainly keep the nicotine out of the reach of children, um, it, preferably in a locked cupboard. Um, there have been some tragedies around that. If they've got a, a battery that's removable from the device, and some have that, uh, they need to be very careful about not carrying that in their pockets without it being in a uh, protective case. Most of the explosions we see and the fires are due to uh, loose batteries being carried in purses and, and pockets and coming into contact with metal. So you, you mustn't carry those batteries around uh, loose. They should be in, in a protective uh, container. And the other useful thing is that when you're charging your device, it's quite safe to charge in a computer or a TV game or a console. Uh, and if you're charging it in the wall to make sure you're using a low amp wall charge. So be guided what's in the instructions, but you know, mobile phone wall plugs are not recommended. They're, they're a little bit too, they allow too much wattage through, which is not, not, not what's recommended. Thank you, Colin, for that very comprehensive answer. And in the episode mm -hmm. of Cracking Addiction today, we've gone through the actual practicalities of how to uh, instruct and inform our patients on vaping and deal with the practical matters regarding vaping. So it's been another episode with a lot of information. Thank you for your attention and bye for now.